Welcome to Brews Rock. We're Chuck Mountain, a band nestled in the beautiful beer country of North Carolina. Each week, we pick brewers' minds about their brewing philosophy and pick up tricks to bring new life to your home brew. We played at countless breweries and decided it was about time to learn how to craft our own. This week we got a chance to go and tour Wiseman Brewing out in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We've had their flagship beer before, the Mountain Calling and Body Electric, and we're excited to finally check out the brewery in Taproom. Sam Victory, their brewmaster, gave us some history on the actual building the brewery is in, having a history as a wholesale house as well as making candy upstairs. He took us through their brewing area and gave us a rundown of the brewing process they use to keep their beers consistent every time. We learned about their second facility where they make their sours, as well as housing the wine barrels for aging, and got to see their setup for canning beer right there in the brewery. The building was just in, in terrible shape and it had been empty. It was built in like 1929. It was a wholesale house. It's like a Costco before Costco was a thing. Okay. People would, okay. it was just full of everything, full of products and cigarettes, and candy, and they made candy upstairs and it was just evolved over the years, I guess. You ever used any of the candy you found in a beer? No, no, <laughs> of course not. Well, they, that's crazy. But yeah, it was a renovation project of the building. And then there's actually two buildings here. So you're, this is a separate building on this side, so we just cut through the doorway here. Okay. And uh, so two sides of it? Yeah, so there's, yeah, that's the south side. That's crazy. Dang. So what's back this way? Half of it is just office space, and then the other half is part of the brewery. Okay. This building was actually two and a half feet below that building. We had to build it up and just barely have enough clearance height to make it work. And then the other half of the, this building we have for the brewery. You have like a huge brewing space here. Compared to some people, it's big and then, but we're running out of space though too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Cause you were saying with the people that own the building, they did a big investment. So are they partners in the brewery or is it just in the building? Just in the building, yeah. Okay. So there's actually on the main building, there's a second story and that's office space up there that they're leasing out to another company. Cool. And yeah, and this was, and we opened six years ago when there was a, quite a few fewer businesses open in this area. And so it's just been a, an anchor. Uh, so owner of this building, he owns the Winston Junction building across the yeah. street and then the, the building across the street, the Fiddle and Fish. So they, they really developed all that. And then they also have they have another plan for Winston Junction, the other, okay. yeah, the back half of it. Do they have like a convention of it. in there or like a, it's like a farmer's market, right? Yeah, they do the in, an indoors. That, yeah, yeah, that's that little that's spot that's between right. the axe throwing place. Yeah. Because it was like a big open, like it looked like it could be like a flea market or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, like in the winter months, the, the farmers markets are looking for space to continue their their yeah. their work, and so they, those indoor spaces like that are big and open and work really well. Yeah. And my wife, she was working for Whitaker Farms. They make tomatoes. It's like their big thing. But she was out at that farmers market, and 
It was cold. <laughs> she would have loved an indoor one. Are these all empty kegs? Or yeah, these? yeah, those are empty kegs that come back. Okay. So, do you guys know about the brewing process? Or we know a little bit. Yeah, we've been mm -hmm. learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're learning little by little. We have a, a better idea than when we first, because we just started asking questions to brewers, and then it was like, oh, we're learning a lot more, but novices, very novice. Yeah. Do you want to walk you through what? Yeah, yeah. Work, gladly, work, absolutely. Workflow yeah. works here. Yeah. Before we yeah. get too far in, would okay. you mind introducing yourself and how long you've been brewing? And yeah, how long so you're brewing? I'm Sam Victory. I'm co-founder, brewmaster at uh, Wiseman Brewing. And we've been open for almost six years. I've been brewing, home brewing since uh, 2005, I guess. So I just did that for a few years. I worked at Hops for many years and we had your beer in Chapel Hill. We've had your beer here and Body Electric was the first one I had. And the can art was incredible, and yeah. the beer was incredible. And that was one of the easy ones that we always got mad as workers because we would try to save some yeah. so we could buy them and take them home, but it yeah. we never could work. We sold out of it way too fast. Yeah, the, that I think that one did really well on Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah. it was but. such a good beer. So we're like we're downtown Winston-Salem, and we looked at a lot of buildings that were really more central downtown, but this one worked really well for us because we were here on off of Ninth Street. And so we get deliveries every day. So it, we've got the forklift and take it out on Ninth Street and pick it up, bring it in. A lot of, yeah, malt, <laughs> big malt deliveries, yeah, you you know, lots of pallets about, every day. You yeah. don't have to worry about being in the middle right. of downtown and yeah, trying which, to figure that out with streets and yeah, people parking everywhere. Exactly. Some people have to bring it off the truck and then bring it in by hand and that, versus the forklift. and that's, Just bringing it out, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not fun. fun. That's not fun. <laughs> so the first step, you know, we bring it in and we have a mill room here. Every batch is about 2,000 pounds, so it's about 20, 55-pound bags. So we have to bring it in here, throw it up on the deck, and then run it through the mill. And so basically it doesn't really mill it, but it crushes the grain. Yeah, so breaks that, you, that shell up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Breaks the shell up so you can get water inside of it. And so that starts the process. So we mill in like the night before and we have this hopper. So we can fit this basically full of milled grain the night before. And then we have an auger system. And it's just like a corkscrew, PVC and corkscrew kind of thing. So it just pushes it. We've got a motor. Yeah. And it pushes it into the mash tun. Oh, cool. oh dang. dang. That's awesome. So uh, do you keep your grain separate from everything just for like contamination? aspects. It has a lot of that dust. We try to keep that in one spot much easier to clean that way, but it's also covered with bacteria. Yeah. So we want to keep that bacteria. Yeah. We've been learning a lot about the sour beers. We do kettle sours and that's lactobacillus in the kettle before we boil, but it kills all of it and keeps it isolated that way. But then we also have our sour facility and we've got maybe 175 wine barrels and two 30 barrel fooders, which are just, they look like stainless tanks, but they're made of wood, big barrel. Yeah, you know? Dude, so, that's crazy. So we've got a ton of, of that going on. We gotta go check there. that one out sometime. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So we come through the wall here, and oh, and it just goes up. Comes, comes Is there the wall. an auger all the way through that? Yeah, yeah, and then it goes around to the mash tun. Cool. Hey. So how many gallon tanks are these? We have, there are four different sizes actually. We've got 500 gallon, 1,000 gallon, 1,500, and then 2,000 gallon tanks. Oh. And then volume-wise, we go by barrels. So it's really nice to have 30 barrels of hot water on demand. We keep it about 175, 180, and then 30 barrels of 40-degree water on hand all the time. It helps with the brewing process and the cleaning process. So let's say you take out 
a barrel's worth? Do you have to manually enter back in or is there like a water system that knows when you start to take some out, it yeah, gets so, some more back in? Yeah, we've got a control panel okay. up there. So we hit a button and it fills it up. Oh, and then sweet. we've got a sensor in there so that when it gets to a certain level, it cuts off. But then we've got for... For heating and cooling, we have the brew system and the hot liquor tank are steam jacketed. So we have a boiler around back, just a regular boiler, but it's steam generating. And when we want to heat, it just fills the outer jackets with heat and then it gets to the temperature that you need it and then it cuts off. This then, is definitely like the largest scale we've seen. This yeah. Is, oh, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And then for all the tanks and the cold liquor tank, they're glycol jackets. So we have a glycol chiller out back. And basically when you want to cool it, it sends the 28 degree glycol through the outer. To just bring it right back down to you. Yeah. And then it's got the temperature probes in it. And then when you hit the temperature that it's set at, it cuts off. Your brewing process here is very, you have a very automated but controlled environment that you make each one in. Yeah, yeah. And it's really actually easier than the homebrew scale, right, with the equipment that we yeah, have. Yeah, being able to change the temperature, like, instead of, we're boiling it on the stove, and then, yeah. It's, it's a very different process here. So this is the grain. This one was where the mash is made, you said? Yeah, we can, you guys can come up here. So this is the mash tun, and this is the bowl kettle. So it basically brings the grain in and just drops it in. And we're also infusing with hot water at the same time. It sits in here for about an hour at 150 degrees. And basically that's getting the water into the grain. That's the mash part, right? And then it has a screen on the bottom. Also so it goes out and leaves like all the particles behind. Yep. So what it's doing is creating like a sugar water. So it will, we pump all the liquid from this tank to this kettle. And so basically it's just, it's 500 gallons of sugar water. So that's the here. wort? Wort. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> and you've, got, you've got spent grain that's left on the screens and we just rake that out. Now, have you ever had enough of a mash to where it didn't want to transfer over? Or do you have that down to a science now? Yeah, every once in a while we get some stuck mashes, stuck sparges. We were know. talking with another brewer. He said he had one that just decided it didn't want to cooperate, and so he had to dump it all out. Yeah, I had that maybe once. Some of the greens, they get really thick and stuck. Rye, flaked, wheat and oats, they get they really gel up. And so if we add rice hulls to it, it, it eliminates that problem. Yeah, but yeah, you, you, the brewers are pretty good at being careful at that transfer. <laughs> So this is where you control all of the different stuff from? Yeah, so we've got temperatures for the kettles and the hot liquor tank. We've got the pumps. We've got a pump, the hot liquor tank, a pump on the cold liquor tank. After the mash, bring it over here, then we boil it for an hour and add the hops in at that point. And the yeah. boil, that's where you get the bitterness from. And, and then we send it over to one of the tanks. We use the pumps to move it over there, but then it goes through a heat exchanger. And so we've got that cold flowing one way and then the hot work flowing the other way and it cools it down to room temperature like instantaneously. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so we've got controls on those pumps up here too and we can dial in the temperature of the output. So how many people does it take to like to do a bath? Can you do it by yourself with this system or oh, yeah. does someone have to be? Yeah, just one, one person. person. Yes. A lonely existence, man. <laughs> but it makes it, your job is you can be more creative with like different flavors if you can be more precise with all this different stuff. And it also helps the repeatability of things, right? Because yeah. like when you're making a product like our core beers, IPA mountain calling, right? You yeah. want to make it the same exactly every time, right? So yeah. dialing in all these temperatures and timings and everything, 
it helps for consistency as well. So we go from here over to one of the fermentation vessels. Fermentation vessel. Yeah, with the cones on the bottom. You've got a bunch of these. Yeah, so we've got uh, 15 barrel tanks, the three that are down on the end, and we've got five 30 barrel tanks. And then on the other side, we have the 45 barrel tank and the 60 barrel tank. It just it seems to have worked out where the 60 barrel tank, we do mountain calling in. We just basically keep that going like once every three to four weeks we over a batch. And then the 45 barrel tank, we do the other IPAs and Conceited Genius and Body Electric. The timing there seems to be what we need to keep up with keep the, up the demand. demand yeah. Yeah. And then the 30 barrel tanks, we'll do like IPAs and things that we're going to can. We have enough for draft and then enough for cans. So you'll well. do like a body electric and a 30 barrel to can and then body electric and your 60 barrel to have here? Do a yeah. little bit of both or do like a different one you want to can and send out? Yeah, so just usually just keep those cores over there. And then over here we'll do, so well actually like we've got Scoop Dog going right now, which is our cream ale. Oh yeah. And so it, we don't, the demand isn't quite there. Yeah, know? like so the one-offs, not the flagship ones that you yeah. keep. Yeah, like the one-off IPAs are Angelo's Italian Pilsner that we've got going in a 30 barrel tank. So you came from being a home brewer, but this is a huge scale compared to most of the places we've been. Like, yeah. how did you figure all that out? Was there just like a bunch of help from other people or just a lot of uh, research? Definitely both, yeah. So definitely a lot of help from other people and research. So I started hanging around the, the Natty Greens a lot in Greensboro. And then there's some other breweries like Wooden Robot and Noda in Charlotte doing research for those guys, hanging out there, but also doing research on systems. So I spent a few brew days with oh, them. Cool. Yeah, and then also Gibbs, which is no longer in Greensboro, yeah. but helping those guys out with brew days and things like that. So no real experience doing it myself, but just hanging out. What know? were you doing before that? I was in the pharmaceutical industry, okay. doing research. Okay, yeah, so, so you were so in the research game already. That's awesome. So at what point did you realize you wanted to go from that to actually just making beer? I had worked at several different pharmaceutical companies and landed up in High Point, working there for a while. And that actually lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to. So I got settled in here. Family and kids, they didn't want to move around anymore. So when the time came, they're like, we don't want to move, stay. right? You know, yeah, plant some roots. Yeah, exactly. I'm from Tennessee, so close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't want to move to California, farther up the East Coast. And I've been homebrewing for a while. And it seemed like something that you like, like. Yeah, yeah. You like I, to do. But you can pull it off, right? Yeah. yeah. And do you ever do any collaborations here with other breweries? Yeah, we do that. <laughs> Woo! We do that. Yeah, frequently. Yeah. Yeah, we've got one with protagonists in Charlotte and Mason Jar. And so how does that usually work for you when you do a collaboration? Do they like come brew here? Do you go there? Yeah, we both do the home and away. Yeah, so protagonist guys came up here and we brewed. We, we spent some time figuring out a recipe and style and all that kind of stuff. And then we brewed here. And then I think once the year gets cranked up again, we're going to go down there and brew some other type of beer. When it comes to coming up with flavors for beers, how do you do that? What is that process like for you? I, I feel like I'm really conservative about pushing the envelope a bit. We always just, if we want to brew a style for the first time, we'll just take a recipe that we know is going to work, right? And then we'll just deviate from there. Will you brew a small batch that's just going to be like your test first? It's more work to do that. So we know these recipes like are going to work well. So we can just go ahead and do it on a 15 barrel batch. And so for us, the experimentation is doing it on a 15 barrel batch and see how it does in the tap room. 
yeah. and how it does through distribution. And then we can scale it up from there, do a 30 or 45, and then we can it. If it that's taken to the next step, whether we want to package it, 16 ounce cans. So you started with just the three tanks and then the bright tank up here first? Yeah, we had three 15s and then a bright tank for each one. So the bright 15, bright 30. So over the years, when did you start getting more equipment? Was it like trying to keep up with demand or was it pushing the brewery to grow? Usually we're keeping up with demand. We're really stretching the brewers and the brewing process. Yeah. The sales guys are beating on us in the, in the production. Like we need more beer and say, okay, let's buy another tank. Not a bad problem to have. When did you get into doing cans? Was it like right off the bat or was it after a little while? Yeah, I think year two, we just like, let's do our core beers, like Mountain Calling and Scoop Dog and Body Electric. Our big sellers, let's do those. And we worked with some local artists on the can labels and those turned out really well. You all have a really cool aesthetic in your artwork, but also I like how like your taps, you have the wood burned ones. Yeah. So you don't have to like have your reps go out and give them new stickers every time. Yeah. <laughs> Taff handles are, they're expensive. I, yeah. I mean, I, it's not the best marketing, but it's, it's affordable. And I'll, we were all bartenders, but I always enjoyed the simplistic. Like I didn't want this crazy over the top one. Yeah. I like the simple ones. That, Cause they look, they look clean, they look better. Yeah, and that's our tap room is like that too, right? We've got a lot of reclaimed wood that we use to finish the tap room with. So are those got, windows all reclaimed too? Yeah, so those we got like at some yard sales and things like that. So I know you said you're conservative in your brewing process, but if you had someone come up to you, give you as much money as you needed, you had to make whatever beer you wanted, crazy or not, what would you make? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Heavy hitting questions. That's a, good, that's a good question. I think craft beer, it takes this journey, right? So we went from you know, these really bitter West Coast IPAs back 10, 15 years ago and then into the hazies. And then we've seen all the super fruited beers lately. Yeah, that, that, it, that's been like the past couple of years. That and hard. then the pastry stouts and things like that. And now the lagers are coming around now, right? Yeah. So there you see a lot of cool things with lagers. I'd, I would really like to get into like a really deep dive into lagers. Like people say that lagers and pilsners are really difficult to do. Yes, they are as far as your brewing technique. There's not a lot of other flavors to cover up off flavors. So if you make a mistake. What would one of those mistakes be? Why are lagers so hard to make? I wouldn't say that they're hard to make, but if you rush the lagers, then you're going to get some off flavors like diacetyl. You get, you'll get that in all beers if you rush them. Is that what happens whenever you don't keep it at the proper temperature for long enough? Usually what we do is at the end of the fermentation, when it's nearing completion, we raise the temperature like maybe three to five degrees. And that kind of accelerates the process of cleaning it up where the yeast will reabsorb some of those off flavors. Fermentation temperatures as well, right? If it's just a little bit too high, then you're going to get some esters and some higher fusel alcohols that yeah, i don't know if you've had some like bad homebrew that just it's like it just tastes like rocket fuel yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's it's been there yeah. what's don't your like favorite beer high. you've made one one that i really i did a lot as a homebrewer was the english mild okay so it's basically like a, an english brown but it's at three and a half percent it's got a lot of flavor to it but it's three and a half percent and you can just drink it all day long yeah, and feel exactly fine. and we do that one like maybe once a year so you brought some of those recipes that you were using at homebrew here a few, a not, few not, not too many craft beer it evolves yeah. really fast we've got ipas right we've got cold ipas out now which is slightly different cold IPAs. cold ipas where they're making like west coast ipas but with lager Huh. I've never had one of those yet. Oh, yeah, I don't think I've even heard of it yet. Do y'all have one? We don't have one right now, but we've done it a okay. few times. But basically, it's a West Coast IPA with some tweaks to it to make it. 
just ever changing, trying to come up with something new. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. This is really like, cool. are there plans to expand even more on top of this? That's a good question. That would be great. It's just the economy and COVID and things like that. It's some people care to take that risk and some people who are just a little concerned Keep the right status now. Code, yeah. 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 We're getting, it's been six years, so we're getting a lot of our loans, investors paid off and things like that. So we feel really good about that. Talk about investments. We just the canning got did the canning line in September. So. Yeah, I was gonna joke and say that this looks like your timeout corner for your bad employees. <laughs> yeah, timeout for sure. And it's set up right now, but usually because we're gonna do a canning run on, on Monday, but we usually just pack it away in the corner. It's on caster, so we can. Oh, nice. It's this is three, four pieces disconnect and put it over in a corner. But we were using mobile canning service, Ironheart, that's all up and down the East Coast. It's really, it's gonna save us a lot of money to do it ourselves. Yeah. How many but, brewers do you have here? Give you the history real fast, Rick. I started out by myself back here. And then day two, I realized there's no way I can keep up. So we hired a friend of mine, Ryan Jackal. He was running the homebrew shop at Big Dan's in oh, yeah. High Point. And him and I for the next year, and then we hired Joey, so there's three of us after the first year. Ryan is a head brewer, so he's doing a lot of the managerial stuff. And Joey is our head brewer. And then Justin is our head seller person, so he takes care of the seller. And he's also over the barrel program. And then we have two part-time people that are washing kegs, filling kegs, things like that. And then back in May, when we decided we were going to do the canning line, we brought on Terry. His expertise is the canning line. So a lot of people to make this machine roll. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so the canning line is we have this depalletizer. We move in the pallets, cans, just move it in here and it will automatically feed, cans up. feed the cans up. It's got a lot of sensors on it where it knows where there's a void and it raises the cans up and feeds them onto the carousel and it shoots them down into the filler. But goes through the filler, four cans at a time, flushes the cans with CO2 and then fills and then Puts the, you got the lids and it seams. The lids. Seams the lids. And then does it put on the labels as well? Yeah. So you and got, is this coming straight from the tanks or are you putting it in? It is coming from the bright tank. Okay. So okay. once, yeah, once we go from the fermentation tank over to the bright tank and that's where we carbonate it. We pump in bubble and CO2. Yeah. Carbonate it there, clears up a little bit and then it just run a hose into this guy. We've got an automatic weighing device that weighs it here and there's a piston right there that it'll pop it out if it's not, oh, not the okay. right weight. Still working on that. And then we've got a date coding machine here. So I don't know that technology, but it'll date code the bottom oh, okay. of the can. I need, to get, I need to get back here for a few days. <laughs> just get, on, get on the canning line now that we've got it. And then this is a labeler. We just we throw the labels on here and it runs it through and wraps the label on. So it's yeah. been working great. Terry, our canny guy, he's had a lot of experience, both Pepsi and Foothills. Okay, oh, cool. So he's an expert. This and awesome. Yeah, keg washer over here, pretty straightforward there. How many do you do at a time? So it's three at a time. It's got a caustic and acid cycle on it, so it cleans it really well. Deep clean. Yeah. That's awesome, man. We're always pushing the envelope of like what we're doing here. So we're actually doing, like I said, we've got the sour facility. We've got 175 wine barrels over there, two tanks that we package with, and then the 30 barrel fooders. It's really cool to go over there and taste the beer out of the barrels. Oh, that would be really cool. And so we're doing, just like everybody else, we're doing hard seltzers. We've okay. got one, okay. one product out. We just, we've got our, on our second batch of cider. Weiss's Pursuit is the name of it. And do you have those on tap up there? We go. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I want to try some of those. And then we're just thinking about what's next as far as 
product development. That's what I'm thinking about instead of expanding too fast. Yeah. Just thinking about bringing different products into our tap room. Well, if y'all ever want to do music collaboration, like the, it started as a joke. The first beer we did with the brewery, yeah. we were like, we should make a beer called Chuck Mountain Dew. And then we pitched it to Odin because we play there a whole bunch. Yeah. And they're like, that's a great idea. And so we did that. And then we have a single coming out this next month. We're doing another beer with Little Brother, just named after the single. Like we just, yeah, yeah. We just sure. want to be part. We just want to be part of the game. But yeah, we, yeah. it's like we don't sell beer, but we can. Done, I mean, we've done a few <laughs> collaborations like that with yeah, Travers oh, and, uh, and Gypsy Danger. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I've heard of a lot. Yeah. I mean, we it, definitely do something like that in yeah. the future. Yeah. Because we got an album coming out this year, but we got a bunch of singles that we're going to put out after it. So we'll just be in touch with it. Cool. See if you got something that you're trying to push, and we can tie it together. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the beer control is all on you. Like, we're just yeah. going to be like, hey, we're just, we're just, we can name it this and we'll come help you brew it. Yeah. It was good to learn the taste to look out for in brewing beer, like diacetol, and to let your loggers take the time they need for the best taste. We gotta make it out there more often to try these small batch beers in the tap room, too. They had one that tasted just like a barbecue in a glass. And definitely gotta make it out of that sour site so we can try some of their barrels. Thank you, Sam, for showing us around and sharing your knowledge and your beer with us. If you're a fan of Wise Man Brewing, make sure you let us know and tag us with your favorite beer at Brews Rock Pod on Instagram. Also, keep an ear out for a new single, Fool's Journey, coming out February 24th alongside a hazy pale ale we got to brew with Little Brother Brewing. Until next time, we're...